0: You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 116 of the Comic Book Informer podcast. We are coming to you on March 26th. As usual, I'm Vince, along with Roger. What's up today, man? Nothing.
0: Not a damn
1: thing. (laughs) That, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's not at all. I I look forward to the days where there's nothing.
0: (laughs) There is, but it'd only be bitching, and moaning, and complaining, so there's no sense in that.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, a few weeks back when we were talking about the the death of the family crossover with Batman, I had mentioned that, you know, we were coming to really like Damien as a character. And of course, as through timing, that's exactly when they were killing him off over in Batman Incorporated. Um, I didn't actually read the Batman Incorporated issue, did you? Yes, I did. Okay, because I hadn't. The last issue of Batman Incorporated I read was issue two of the first volume. So I, I, I didn't bother diving in. What would you think of that one?
0: Okay, well, here is where it's going to get interesting because, see, I haven't read any of these batman incorporated you hear enough bad things about a series you're not going to waste time it's a funny on it. thing
1: i hear so many good things about the series. okay well i, I hear a lot of just people none of them from
0: like, me yeah well <laughs> um so i haven't been reading it so here i am picking up this to to read it now and um okay well, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of all over the place you're if you're jumping in just for this this issue just to see what is going to happen with Damien, then I mean, you're jumping in, in the middle of an ongoing story arc. So then, okay, well that's fine, but there's stuff happening all over the place. And often when you do that too, you're jumping in during the action issues, not the setup and not the follow up. just all it is is action for the most part. And that's kind of what this was for the most part. It's, Damien jumping in to fight with Nightwing and to take down whoever the hell this guy is, um, and whatnot. And there's some stuff going on, obviously, with his mother and whatnot. Um, because I haven't read the other issues, it's kind of hard for me to say, you know, for sure. But having just read the one issue, I gotta tell you, it really felt like a pfft, nothing. It, 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 there was there was no build up to it there was there was no nothing. it just came out of out of nowhere and like I know that again in normal everyday life, of course, death can happen at any time there's not always going to be a grand heroic moment it'll just happen, and that's all well and good and we want reality in our stories to a certain degree, however more often than not in fiction when we're reading it. We want the legendary ending to a life because again, you're, you're, you're kind of superimposing what you hope for your end and and things like that. You want something grandiose. You want something that's larger than a life. And yeah, he's just a kid, but still he has a huge importance in this story. So when you're reading it though, it's just like, it just happens. It's just, it's no big deal. And, and they try to be a little bit more graphic. With the manner in which he dies, but the result is still the same. It's still really not a big deal. And then also like when the end, when he's dead, like Batman just kind of shows up out of nowhere at one point. Oh, he's and he's Batman. holding him because they had to put that picture, that caption, the, the, the scene of Batman holding him over, you know, while he's on his knees and holding him on his lap kind of thing. in the, the dead body, they had to have that in there. But Batman wasn't there the entire time. Then all of a sudden, like, <laughs> he's there. Uh, it, it just really struck me as completely unimportant. It, it, I don't know. It, 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 having not read it, you won't. You, you might not understand what I'm saying, but, yeah, it was just meh. hmm
1: Okay, well, moving on from that, uh, we actually wanted to talk about the uh, the Requiem issues, you know, the, the aftermath, which we saw in uh, both Batman and Robin and Batman uh, this past couple weeks, two weeks ago, I think it was, last week, sometime recently. <laughs> and uh, we're going to start off with Batman and Robin, written by Peter J. Tomasi, art by Pat Gleason, Mick Gray, and John Callis. And this is the somewhat at this point, traditional silent issue. We've seen a lot of this uh, over the years of, you know, when you're mourning a character's death, you do an issue that's just, you know, no words, just all pictures. And like I look back at, what was it Fantastic Four 589, I think it was, after Johnny died? And that yeah. was a great issue yeah. because even without words, it told a very strong story like across multiple characters. I, I really enjoyed that issue. I didn't quite get the same out of this one personally. Like a lot of the stuff, it was just, Pages of Batman being angry. I don't think it had quite the same emotional weight that uh, other issues like this have had for me. Not
0: even close. I agree. Not even close. It was... Uh, I thought the same thing as I was... I was well, not reading and looking at it. Um, I think that this would have done better to have... Words in it, and there are times when you look at it, and I've mentioned it before too, when we were talking about various issues where you know certain scenes would be better if they'd been silent and whatnot. Um, this is not one of them. This it, it came off as cliche, and it really, like you were, you mentioned the Fantastic Four, and I'm glad you did. Actually, I hadn't thought of that, but that told so much throughout. You didn't need the words. There was there was story. This is basically him mourning. And then him going and beating the crap out of people, and that's kind of it. And then imagining himself with with Robin, it's it's nothing else. So I, I was disappointed. And again, the the going back to the Fantastic Four, how many times did you flip through it, cover to cover? Several. Exactly. This here,
1: even still, like we were talking about um, when they when Hickman finished this whole thing, that's one of the issues I went back and reread because there was so much there that you kind of overlooked if you, if you weren't paying attention and without the words.
0: Yeah. So, but this one here, I looked at it once. I went, okay. And then I read the Batman number 18 and then I thought, okay, well let's go back and look at it again. And it's, it's quite literally, it takes, <laughs> it takes less than a minute to flip through all of these pages And there's not enough going on that it warrants spending that much more time looking at it. And I don't want to insult the art or anything, but it's just, there's so little substance in in all of this. Mm -hmm. So I really, I mean, you flip through it in less than a minute and uh, what, there's your four bucks. I was like, ooh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: although I, I did like the, the little note from Damien at the end. I, I thought that that was the, the one highlight of the issue for me.
0: I again that's relying on old cliches kind of thing. Yeah. I felt. So finding the note from the dead relative who's dead kind of thing. And it's like, uh, yeah, it doesn't really.
1: It, it just lends itself to showing some of the growth that Tomasi himself has given uh, Damien right. over the years. So like, like I said, while Damien may be Grant Morrison's baby, you know, his creation and all, Tomasi is really the writer who made him interesting to me. Right. Now, looking back on the issue, what I think would have been pretty effective, and, you know, I don't want to tell anybody how to do their jobs, but I thought it would have been a pretty interesting issue if Batman himself had stayed silent. You know, have Commissioner Gordon or uh, Alfred or, you know, even have Dick Grayson or somebody show up. And keep Batman silent. I think that would have played in more to how we expect the character to react in those situations. I think that would have been somewhat more
0: interesting to me. And would have also put a different twist on that trope of the silent issue kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Then it's just the one person who's the most affected who's silent. I actually know I agree. That might have been really quite good. Okay. So uh, DC, we're available. (laughs) really i i
1: I promise we won't quit before our first issue comes out um maybe after
0: the um it it, looking at it in terms of what it is and whatnot i the only reason i'd recommend this to someone is because of the importance of what happened and that's it and even then there's no importance in terms of the batman incorporated issue it just happened but the importance of the event that Damien died. But that'd be the only reason I recommend it. I really, I, I was quite disappointed when I read this. Mm-hmm.
1: Alright, well that brings us to Batman 18 and this is going to be a deep breath because there are a lot of people working on this comic. We had writing from Scott Snyder and James Tinney Fourth, art by Andy Kubert, Alex Maleev, Sandra Hope, Jason Fairbairn, and Brad Anderson. Uh, they just kind of split the story into two separate pieces, so you have two different creative teams. And this, I really didn't see coming because whether she's going to be the next Robin or not they immediately introduce another young possible sidekick to Batman in Harper Rowe.
0: Well she's not she's not new she's been in the issues beforehand.
1: Well I didn't expect quite this level of interaction from her. We saw her in a couple issues over the past year and a half as you know just hanging around you know helping out this and that but Publishing this issue at this time, of course, leads to the very probable theory that she is going to replace Damien, maybe not as Robin per se, but at least as, you know, a, a youthful sidekick to Batman. Yeah. And I thought – because I know when uh, we heard about the Damien news, it kind of came out of nowhere, like, oh, god, great, they, they killed Damien. But at least this shows that there's been a plan in place for a while, at least from Snyder, which I'm happy to see.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. And I, and I like that character. I like her a lot, and um she's got attributes that we've seen in other characters, and she's even got some attributes that we see saw in Damien towards the end kind of thing um but she's more fallible than Damien was. they were setting Damien up that he was just as untouchable as Batman so this uh, i and I like the character and she's got a fairly troubled pass, which is kind of a re- requisite if you're gonna become a, a robin <laughs> um but uh but no, I like. I like her side of the story. I think she'd be a, a very interesting foil to 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 Batman.
1: And she could take a punch. Oh, Grace, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least better than Dick Grayson did. <laughs> but what's interesting here and I'm losing my train of thought. Oh my god.
0: <laughs> I'm not editing this out.
1: <laughs> wow, I'm sorry. I had a thought. Okay, back on track. So Reading through this issue, I saw a lot of parallels between Harper's character arc and Tim Drake's in that Tim was the Robin who sought out Batman, not the other way around. Like he wanted to be Robin. And what you said is as actually interesting that Harper is more fallible and, you know, more realistic of a character. That's always been Tim Drake's one big, you know, knock against him is he's always been written as Mr. Perfect. You know, Tim Drake can do no wrong. Tim Drake, you know. found Batman Tim Drake learned his secret identity where we see a lot of those same story beats here with you know Harper showing up and talking to Bruce Wayne but it's in a more realistic way you know she knows Bruce Wayne bankrolls Batman so who else would she she go to visit so I thought it was a cool parallel because I was really worried that they were going to take that Tim Drake route and just make you know teenage super person you know becomes the next sidekick and I'm glad to see that that's not the way they went
0: yeah I agree And there's no saying that, I mean, they're going to give her that serious role, but it is obviously setting up that it's there if they want it. And it is a a character that they can do a lot with that they haven't been able to do with the various Robins. Um, Quite obviously, because she is a young woman, that'll be different. And because her character is so different from Barbara Gordon, it's not going to be, like, Batgirl kind of stuff. It'll be different, and she will be spunkier. And she obviously has no problems going toe-to-toe with Batman in terms of, you know, little shouting matches and stuff. So, I again, I like the character. I really hope that in the hands of someone who knows how to handle her, like Scott obviously does, I think it'd be interesting.
1: Well, at the end of the day, they're still publishing a comic called Batman and Robin, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there kind of needs to be an and Robin at some uh, point something, here. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we're probably actually not going to see that much more of this from Scott, though, because I think it's issue 21, I believe, is when they're starting the whole zero year where they're going to spend 11 issues uh, going back to Bruce's past before he was Batman, like when he was training. So if we see that much more development out of Harper, it's probably not going to be through the actual Batman comic.
0: Hmm. Yeah.
1: Which is interesting. We'll have to see how this whole thing plays out. But it's nice to know that, believe it or not, somebody at DC actually had a plan for the future.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. And and this was a fun issue to read. Um, The art notwithstanding. Because, my God, it's like they couldn't have picked two artists that were more dissimilar in their styles. And it's so unbelievably jarring that it takes you out of the story but especially
1: uh, when there, there was no you know title break like there was no division yeah. of showing hey this is two separate stories like, it, it was very like maybe if it had been done as you know this is the standard this is the backup it would have worked better but like, i didn't even know until i got to the end that it was split into two distinct chapters yeah
0: but uh, no i i really enjoyed this issue actually
1: Although I will say I actually really did enjoy uh, Alex Maleev's art in the second chapter. Like I, I haven't really been a big fan of his uh, in his uh, work at Marvel and with uh, Bendis and stuff. But I actually did kind of enjoy it a lot more here than I had previously.
0: Really? I wasn't that crazy about it.
1: I, 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 it still wasn't something I maybe want to read a whole comic about. But with, with the way the, the coloring and everything was handled here, I, I – Felt it worked a little better for me personally than
0: his other stuff. Uh, especially after you're reading the first part, the first chapter. Oh, yeah, which, yeah. oh, my
1: God.
0: Looks amazing.
1: All right. So moving on from there, we're, we're getting away from DC and going into uh, some more interesting territory here. And uh, we're talking about The Private Eye. It's a comic written by Brian K. Vaughn, art from Marcos Martin, and Munsta Vicente. And there's... No publisher. There's there's no nothing here. It's came out on pandelsyndicate.com And this is, you know, two top tier creators, Brian K. Vaughn from, you know, Why The Last Man or Saga and uh, Marcos Martin. He's been doing Daredevil. He did Amazing Spider-Man. Like these are guys at the top of, of the industry here. And they're putting out a creator own work. They didn't go to Image, you know, they didn't go to Icon or, you know, any other companies they could have gone to. They decided that they were going to distribute this comic themselves. And using a model that at least we have seen be very successful in the, you know, the PC gaming world of choose your own price. Here it is. You, you give us a penny if you want. They're they they they're getting themselves out there. And, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of people who are paying a very fair price. I mean, for myself, I, I gave them a couple bucks for it because I thought it was well worth, you know, $2, which is, you know, what I would say standard for, you know, a digital comic at Fresh Out. That's a completely different discussion, but... I thought it was a pretty interesting way to come out because I didn't see something like this coming, at least right now, the way the comic industry is
0: going. I, I'm i not as surprised, actually. I can see a lot more writers and artists, artists go on this route um, because it is something that we're seeing more writers that are that have a name for themselves. And it's not just people trying to break in. But people trying to break out of the big two and try something different, and really leaning towards the digital media to see if they can make a go of it there. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, we've seen a lot of this recently, you know, with Mark Wade, his stuff over yeah. at Thrillbent, but you know, he's giving it away for free, or uh, with Monkey Brain Comics that started up their own exclusive digital imprint on Comicsology. But that's still a more traditional route. So the, this particular business model, I, I, I'm actually pretty interested to see because we've seen with the the humble bundles in gaming. That's been a very lucrative uh, path for these smaller yep. developers releasing these indie games. And I, I really hope that this works out. Yeah. No, I agree. All right. Well, as for the comic itself, I thought it was pretty darn cool. What'd you think?
0: I thought it was interesting. It's, um, again, there was a lot of the traditional sci fi stuff in it that they borrowed from everybody else, that everybody does kind of thing. Um, but there was enough that was interesting and new in it to, to really grab my attention. It was very well written, quirky is all hell, which is pretty standard for him,
1: yeah, that's uh, <laughs> this is what Vaughn writes on a down day, <laughs> yeah,
0: so um, but no, it was a good story as well, like it really opens itself up for like where this is going to be going in the future i I really quite enjoyed it
1: mm-hmm. so we had we have this interesting vision of the future where. There is no internet, and they even said that in the in the afterward. Like, okay, yeah. we've created a future world with no internet. Let's distribute our comic on the internet. Yeah, I thought that was cute, but it's actually kind of a believable future where, and we see it. And today's technology in cloud storage is becoming the next big thing. You know, and people are putting more and more of their personal lives, you know, out on the internet and stored, you know, for anyone to come see with Instagram, Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. Well they raise an interesting prospect of what happens when the cloud bursts and suddenly everybody's personal information is now public knowledge. That's pretty darn creepy right now for me, actually.
0: See, to me, I, I mean, who who the hell knows what's going to happen, but I foresee more a vision of the future where it, the internet has just continued and continued and expanded and we are more plugged in, not less plugged in. Mm -hmm. And, For that reason, though, I liked this because it took that path less traveled. And it's, okay, well, what if there is no internet and all the other stuff? How is information disseminated and things like that? So I kind of enjoyed that. I I don't foresee that that's where we're headed, but it's kind of cool.
1: It serves as a nice cautionary tale, though, of, you know... Make sure you know what you're doing when you're putting yourself out there. Cause I actually think it, it serves as an interesting counterpoint to vision machine, which is the exact opposite, that that, you know, ideal future you just described where everybody is plugged into everything. So that that's that's an interesting counterpoint to it. Yeah. And like I said, the characters were pretty cool. We were following around this private eye. And you with, you know, personal information, you know, being such a a, a sticking point these days, we see everybody going around basically in disguise, living out different lives, you know. Basically, you know, becoming, you know, online personas, if you will, in real life, like some so much crazy stuff here that I really like about, you know, society and science fiction and online culture. This is looking to be something that personally I'm actually really interested in.
0: Yeah, no, I'll definitely be buying the next issues as they come out. Mm. So
1: uh, kudos to you guys for bringing out something cool, bringing out a new way that, you know, anybody can jump in on.
0: I really appreciate that. My one suggestion would be that they work on the formatting. Because they're formatting it for tablets, Mm -hmm. but not all tablets are shaped the same. So they're actually formatting it for more of a, um, this probably looks perfect, say, on a surface, more of a 16 by 9, I believe, as opposed to the dimensions, say, of the iPad, which is far more traditional. So when you are scrolling, A, you can't look at it in portrait mode, which... Is still the better way of looking at it in some, depending on what you're reading, just because it's more, it's, it's, uh, it's uh, more magnified so you can see better. But even looking at it in landscape, you're missing out parts of the sides. You have to still scroll a little. So you, you're not seeing everything. Like case in point, I'm looking at one page now, which is the one where he's in his office right after he'd escaped and everything. Well, mm-hmm. it, when you turn the page, you, all you see is his feet on a desk. So you actually have to scroll over to see that he's sitting down and he's got his legs up. So they need to work on the formatting, I think, so that you don't have to squeeze it so that it fits into the thing with every single page. And that's the only thing.
1: Yeah. yeah I mean, it's my, a my minor my, thing. My, yeah. My tablet has uh, similar dimensions, but you know, I, I, I lived with it. It wasn't a big deal.
0: Oh, no, no. And I'm not saying it's a big deal. I'm just saying if you are looking to make a break into digital mm-hmm. and... There's so much to play with in terms of graphic design with digital. And I say that from a graphic design standpoint of say like all the many, many web pages I've done and whatnot. I look at this and I, I'm excited about the prospect of how you can tell a different a story so differently than you would on paper kind of thing. So they have this opportunity, but they're, they're it's like, they're not quite there. They're not using it properly. Mm-hmm. So just a suggestion they could, play around with that a little bit more so that it's even more interesting and more striking because the story is striking. I mean, you're looking at all these people with the fish masks and everything else. You've got something that really shoots off, so it would be cool to really format it well.
1: Okay, and then rounding out our odd little grab bag this week, a comic we've been trying to talk about for three weeks now. <laughs> we got to Uncanny it. Uncanny Skull Kickers number one by Jim Zub, Edwin Huang, and Misty Coates, and uh, I'm going to let you run with this one.
0: Well, this was interesting because if for the people who have not been reading it, they're they're missing out on one of the things that is the best thing about this series and that's the relationship between the dwarf and baldy so you're not getting that in here i mean there's little comments here and there uh, from baldy that oh yeah he's fine kind of thing but you're not getting the banter back and forth you are but not between baldy and the dwarf you're getting it instead between baldy and the elf chick um, which was still fun to read don't get me wrong but you're missing out on one of the things that is iconic of the series that said if you have been reading it for since the beginning then you're getting a little break of that and you're getting a different interaction so for for me i i loved it but then i'm thinking about the people who just started reading it like you were saying some people you know just started reading it with this and i'm thinking they're in for a surprise when the dwarf returns and then it's going to be that different dynamic mm-hmm. so it, this is where they're stuck uh the um the ship is basically got eaten up by the Kraken there, and Baldy's on the beach with the, um, the red-headed elf. And I really like how he formatted the art, too, so that the bottom of every page yes, is that the dwarf brilliant. floating around. That was freaking Because
1: throughout the entire comic, you're waiting for something to happen. Yeah. And it, it it's it's that perfect gag of just... Setting up that anticipation. (laughs) Yeah, it is. (laughs) Nothing ever
0: happened. And I I love that different sea creatures come to him and steal things off of him (laughs) as he's floating around kind of thing. So, um, so yeah. And then the, uh, so, so you don't get the dwarf in here except for that, but you do get this fantastic story of Baldi and the, the elf traveling around this island trying to figure out what is going on, trying to survive against these killer turtles that killed me (laughs) Um, and everything else going on on there. So, and and I like that while he's getting drunk on rum, she's going off and she's the one taking care of building a uh, a place to live and killing the animals and everything. Um, I mean, it was par for of course in terms of fantastic Skull Kicker story. I really enjoyed it.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I just echo your sentiment about, you know, the, the the character pairing. I actually did really enjoy that, too, because as as a long term reader, I think it would have been kind of difficult to fully integrate Kusia into the, you know, the team, if you will, because we've seen her for she's been a part of the crew for a while now. But she's always just been kind of a third wheel to uh, Baldi and Shorty. So I, I think it's a smart idea to take one of them off the uh, off the grid, at least temporarily, and allow her to integrate herself into the story a little more without having to butt into, you know, the regular antics of those two guys. So that way when Shorty presumably does finally come back, you know, we, we now have a strong trio instead of two guys, you know, and their sidekick.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I Again, as someone who's been reading since the start, I thought this was fantastic, and I really, really did like the dynamics between those two characters. And it makes me very curious to see what it's going to be like once he does reintroduce the dwarf back into the story. That's going to be pretty cool.
1: And of course we have the whole Michigan J frog scenario playing out with the sword (laughs) where it only talks when she's alone. Yes. (laughs) And like looking back through this and I don't know if it's, if I'm just exceptionally goofy here or if it's that brilliant, the one gag that I still laugh at the hardest is when Baldi wakes up on the beach, and he has the sunburn on his face with the gun outlined on it. And they carried that art through for the next couple pages. I, I still look back at it and laugh uncontrollably at that image. I don't know. Maybe it's just me.
0: <laughs> I didn't even notice that. Yeah,
1: it's, it's such a small detail, but you look back at it. And oh it's my god, hilarious. you're right.
0: <laughs> that is friggin' hilarious. I had not noticed that. Oh my god, that's too funny. So okay, uh, yeah. great,
1: great, great <laughs> relaunch here from the guys.
0: Oh, we're, it's we're, even better now
1: yeah we're we're hotly anticipating the next relaunch.
0: That's <laughs> hysterical, oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, okay,
1: okay, so moving into what we're reading. well, we can't I'm just act- yet huh? oh, that's correct. We actually have something to talk about. go
0: so we've been holding off on this for quite a while anyways, and so uh, long, I forgot about it. <laughs> I didn't. Um, <laughs> I still haven't shipped yours out. I think one
1: of us knows what he's doing.
0: <laughs> Actually, I only just got, my wife had to go and pick up the envelopes for me so that I can send it out, the padded envelopes. So yours is going to be in the mail shortly. And Andy, yours is going to be out as well. So Andy's the one that won his copy and I'm going to be putting it in the mail as soon as possible. And then you guys will have a signed copy of Uncanny Skull Skeletor number one. Uh,
1: amazing. C- congratulations, Andy. So there you go. I would be jealous if I wasn't getting if one. If you weren't already getting one yet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've got two. <laughs> he told me, which ones do you want? Here are the four covers. I said, I'll take one of each, <laughs> sign them all, and send them over. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> Jerk. <laughs> okay. Now, can we do what we're reading? Yeah, sure. Okay. Fantastic. So, I've actually still really been enjoying Cable on X Force. Like, there's something about that comic that just works perfectly for me like the the way the story is structured the way all the characters are unique i'm just really enjoying it have you been
0: keeping up on it yes i have and i have been loving what they're doing with colossus in this
1: yes this is the best character development colossus has had in years and it works yeah it works so well
0: at no point did i read this and think "Eh, that doesn't feel like what the character would do nope throughout the entire thing he's staying through to who that character is
1: Mm-hmm. And it's also because we've been wondering for a while now because we saw you know with Scott and Emma how the Phoenix Force messed with their powers, but we hadn't seen that from Colossus, and now we know why. And that's actually pretty cool—the the way his you know his his skin is fluctuating if he can't keep it in 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 control. So that's actually some cool stuff. Yeah. And by far the the greatest thing in the history of comics that I've read this year, at least since the last time I said that, I think it was issue five when Forge and Doctor Nemesis were having their little downtime competition. Right. You had the giant scorpion against the mechanical gorilla. <laughs> that that was perfect. I had, it was just great, great stuff.
0: Yeah, no, fantastic issue.
1: All right. And then also all new X-Men and Uncanny X-Men. I'm not gonna keep going on and on about how fantastic both of these comics are, because they are. They are. I, I just really loved that the way these two issues synced up at the end when you had Scott appearing at uh, you know, the, the Jean Gray School. With that one line, To Me, My X-Men, which has always been an iconic Charles Xavier line. And with everything we've seen going on in the stories and just him just showing up at the front door and saying what would otherwise be such a simple line. I just for me personally, that was so powerful seeing it from both sides. And it worked great
0: both ways. Yeah. Oh, no, this was oh, my God, it was so good. And like, I mean, they're really doing a great job with especially the relationship between Kitty, because she has to teach them now, and the younger X-Men crew, especially the stuff going on with Jean. That was just, oh, it's absolutely phenomenal.
1: I'm just wondering if uh, young Bobby is going to screw up old Bobby's relationship
0: with her. (laughs) It'd be funny.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, so what have you got this week? Uh,
0: We'll start off with Nova, because I had said that I wanted to check out the second one because I still kind of like the first one. Did you get a chance to read number two? I did. What did you think?
1: I thought it was interesting, you know, driving the story forward. I mean, I I didn't think it quite grabbed on and told as much story as the first issue did, but it,
0: it was well done well. But I, at this point story is that he has to, okay, get used to it in those clumsy first few moments kind of things. So I, it was everything that I'd hoped it would be and the art. Oh my God. And, uh, and and so, no, I really like... And then meeting the freaking Watcher at the end. <laughs> I was like, that yeah. was awesome. <laughs> that was a phenomenal panel. Um, so, no, it's... I'm still looking forward to seeing what they're going to do with 3 and onwards. I, I, I am so amazingly surprised by this. I, I'm very happy. Okay. Uh, Ultimate Comics Spider-Man, number 21. More having to do with Venom and what's been going on there. Did you read that one?
1: Very interesting.
0: Yeah. I like this because... When there was the shift to Miles and then you had an entirely new cast and you had Miles's friends, Miles's classmates and family and this and that. But all of these people that you'd cared about for years beforehand were kind of booted off and not used anymore, really. And so now we're seeing that, especially Gwen and Mary Jane, it looks like they're going to have a very serious part moving onwards. And I really liked that. And I liked that the interaction between them and Miles is going to be way different than their interactions, obviously, with Peter, because that was more romantic, whereas this is going to be more Big sisters. So exactly. Really helping out, teaching him things that he can know and stuff like that. And they, these aren't regular, you know, friends. They were friends of Peter and they, they went through hell because of it. So they know how to help. Like when Gwen is telling him about... Symbiots and stuff, she knows what she's talking about. Yeah,
1: I was wondering if they were gonna have that conversation yeah. just now. That, that was that was cool stuff.
0: So no, I really, really enjoyed this from a, a character standpoint and and like really moving the story forward with what could be some very interesting stories and, and relationships between all of them. I thought that was awesome. Breathing some nice fresh life back into this using existing characters. So I really dug it. Mm-hmm. Uh and then <laughs> I said I wasn't going to, but I read Justice League of America number two. Oh my God. Why? Because I had to know. And I am a glutton for punishment. Look how long I read the freaking Hulk, the Aaron's Hulk stories, <laughs> even is though true. it got bad. So I read it, and I am now uh, no longer that much of a glutton for punishment. And <laughs> you finally learned your lesson. <laughs> this is it. This is it. I'm not going to be reading any more of them. This was, I'm sorry, this was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. I had no use for it at all on all fronts.
1: (laughs) Okay. Good to know. Yeah.
0: Uh, did you read the latest shoe? Oh
1: my, I I, I was hoping you were actually going to bring that up. Okay. Um, you have a freaking tortilla ninja. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, that was awesome. That was bloody freaking awesome. Um, the pining over Colby stuff, the, um, the 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 tortilla ninja stuff was just freaking killer. The um, the stuff with back at the FDA and what's going on there, and then the the chicken and Colby is finally figuring out what's been going on with uh, what's his name, the Caesar. Caesar, yes. I thought this was freaking awesome, beginning to end, proving once again like lame this is layman's forte this is what he does best without a doubt because there's never been a two episode that i've or issue that i've i've read and thought man that wasn't that wasn't that great not a single one
1: although again can i point out the greatest part of this issue what at the end when they're in antonia's bedroom and she has all the posters on the wall like the sexy firefighters and stuff and they photoshopped robert kirkman's head onto yes of them.
0: yes god i laughed <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was hysterical. Again, this is one of those things too. You read this series. Uh, it was funny because we were just talking about that with the, the Batman and Robin. Like, you know, some issues, you read it and then you go back over it to find all the little things. This is one of those. I mean, Poyo made an appearance in here with a freaking rocket attached to the top of his head. I, <laughs> it was where was brilliant. that <laughs> if you look at when colby's out in the field with um what's the name of the other dude caesar again <laughs> oh no see when i was talking about it, i meant the uh the the, the big dude oh that, savoy right so yeah so when he's out in the field with caesar um and there's the giant a giant gingerbread if you look pollo's attacking him from the side
1: I'm gonna have to look for that. Oh, yeah, there it is. There it is. Okay. <laughs> so there's
0: all these little things that you. I mean, the Candy Fun Factory. You could spend oh, a few minutes brilliant. just looking that at all brilliant. of there, and then everything else. So yeah, no, the uh, this, this series is so freaking awesome. It's on. I, I, anybody who's not reading it, I just don't get it. I, I don't understand how you cannot be reading this regularly. Agreed. All right, that's it for now.
1: All right. So, as for this week's new releases, numbering is starting to get funny. For Marvel, we have Age of Ultron number three, Astonishing X Men number 60, continuing the extermination crossover. We have Fantastic Four number five
0: AU. What the hell is that?
1: Indicates that it is an Age of Ultron crossover, but it exists outside of the regular Fantastic Four continuity because we already had a Fantastic Four number five.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: We have FF number 5, My Hotly Anticipated Guardians of the Galaxy number 1, Powers Bureau number 3, Superior Spider-Man number 6, AU. I can see the OCD oh, comic collectors yeah. going nuts right now. <laughs> Ultimate Wolverine number 2, Uncanny Avengers number 5, Uncanny X-Force number 3, Wolverine and the X-Men number 27, and X-Men Legacy number 8. So we have a whole bunch of awesome X-Men yeah, comics no out this
0: kidding. week. No kidding. Jesus.
1: All right, DC, we have Batman Incorporated number nine, if you want to keep reading about the uh, the whole Damian thing. Flash number 18 and Talon number six. And then from everybody else, from IDW, we have Transformers, Robots in Disguise number 15. From Image, Fatal number 13 and Savage Skull Kickers number one. And from Oni Press, Six Gun, Sons of the Gun number two. I actually still haven't read the first one of those. So I need to go back and check that out.
0: I did, actually. Oh, oh worth it? I don't remember (laughs) (laughs) ask me again next week
1: on that note we're actually going to wrap up here Uh, as always you can find us online at com or on twitter at CB Informer once again congratulations Andy on your fantastic prize and until next time thanks for listening
0: I seriously don't remember Oh man, too many meds. (laughs)